From the studios of Boise State Public Radio News, I'm Gemma Gaudet. You're listening to Idaho Matters. Lawmakers have tried over the past several years to put some kind of program in place that would help parents pay for private school, using everything from vouchers to education savings accounts, but none of those past proposals have become law. Well, we wanted to take a deep dive into school choice, and we're planning a series of conversations about how this would impact children and parents, as well as public and private schools, charter and religious schools, and taxpayers and educators. So today, we asked Quinn Perry, the Policy and Government Affairs Director for the Idaho School Boards Association, to join us to talk about a bill before the Idaho legislature right now that would provide $5,000 in tax credits to parents who enroll their children in private schools. Quinn, I want to welcome you to Idaho Matters. Thanks for having me. So before we begin uh, about school choice, can you tell us a little bit about the Idaho School Boards Association, who you are, who you represent? Sure, happy to. So the Idaho School Boards Association is a nonprofit organization that represents the locally elected school board members from our traditional school districts, and we also represent public charter schools. Um, Our organization exists for predominantly advocacy purposes, but we also provide board development support to those individuals who get elected to a school board and, um, you know, have no prior knowledge or um, information about what it's like to serve as a governing member. With that said, does the ISBA have an official position on the school choice bill currently before the Idaho legislature? And as I mentioned, it would give tax credits to parents who enroll their children in private schools. Yes, the Idaho School Boards Association has been opposed to any type of program that would divert public taxpayer dollars towards any program that supports private school tuition. Um, We've had that position for several years, and our members have exceedingly endorsed our opposition to this at our annual convention, where they set our legislative agenda for this year. Your organization has, has called voucher programs that have been tried in other states, quote, budget busters. Can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Again, you just have to look at what other states have adapted to. I think um, Arizona tends to be the closest to home. They're kind of the what's seen as the gold standard by um, out-of-state individuals who've been advocating for these proposals. And their costs, you know, exceeded nearly 1,400% of what they were initially budgeted for. Um, Other states like Ohio, theirs started as a little $5 million tax credit program and is now nearly a $1 billion program. Indiana, same thing, started as a smaller budget and is now close to $600 million. And I think the most current one that I would recommend uh, folks really pay attention to is last year, Utah passed its first school voucher ESA program And this year, uh, they've already tripled in expense before the program has even really launched. So with that said, Quinn, when we talk about these programs doubling, tripling in cost, there's also research that shows, I know at least if we look at Arizona and Indiana, that the majority of the parents who are getting these these kickbacks or whatever we want to call them, um, already have their kids in private school. There doesn't seem to be a, a... big influx of of children moving from a public school to a private school when these systems go into place. 
Are, are you concerned that we would potentially see the same thing happen in Idaho? You're right, Gemma. Um, nearly every state that has adopted one of these programs, over 80% or nearly 80% of the recipients of those programs have already had their children enrolled in private school and have had no prior enrollment in public school. So yeah, we definitely have concerns with that. I think what this signals is that it's essentially a tuition forgiveness program for wealthy families who are already paying tuition and essentially standing up a third system of publicly funded education, but with, you know, that would benefit institutions that have no accountability, transparency, or, you know, fiscal fiduciary responsibility to the taxpayers of Idaho. So some people really don't like the term vouchers. And and we have talked about this with with mm-hmm. other guests on the program when we've taught when we've dived into school choice. It it almost seems like a dirty word, right? A voucher is like we're just handing you money. So with this current bill, it is a tax credit. And I would assume, correct me if I am wrong, you don't usually get a tax credit until after you filed your taxes. So therefore, you still have to pay tuition and then you get that tax credit. Are they different? Is a voucher different than a tax credit system? Or does it, in your opinion, basically have the same means to an end? Gemma, that's a great question, and it is absolutely an issue of semantics. I mean, yes, in reality, a, a voucher is a direct government handout to a private institution, and ESA is where parents draw down, and the proposal that we're talking about today is a refundable tax credit, which I think is really important to denote there. Um, but they all have the same force and effect. It largely benefits individuals who are already enrolled in private institutions and it will diminish the overall funding that goes not only to public education, but also to our infrastructure and healthcare and other really big priorities that Idaho needs to be investing in to benefit all of our communities collectively. Can you talk a little bit more about this refundable tax credit? What exactly does that mean? You know, I think it's important to note that it's refundable because you could indeed receive a refund um, at the end of filing your taxes. And Um, I think that's huge. And I think the other thing I really want to note for folks on House Bill 447 is the fact that right now it's capped at a certain percentage of, you know, people can apply essentially. There's a, you Mm -hmm. know, an overall $50 million cap on the program, but there's an automatic review trigger in the bill that the legislature is going to see, you know, if the program is meeting the demand that it has. Well, Gemma, you and I both know that anytime the legislature passes a refundable tax credit of any kind, anyone who's eligible is going to seek to receive that refundable tax credit. So this really does have the ability to be an immediate budget buster because if all, you know, on average 26,000 Idahoans choose to, to send their kid to private school, if all of those families was the demand that the indeed the legislature is looking to review, then this program is already set to grow to nearly $200 million by its first year in implementation. What are you hearing from public school boards that you work with? Um, Are they for, against the bill? Are they neutral on it? Our folks and school board members are really opposed to this concept. I think, one, it's really important for citizens to understand that Idaho already has vast school choice. We are one of the states with the least regulations on homeschooling. Um, You are 
absolutely allowed to send your kid to a private school. There are micro schools that are popped up. So we have school choice in Idaho. The question about these policy proposals is more about who foots the bill. And, you know, largely school board members, one, they're already having to grapple with you know, the needs and resources that they have to support the current needs and demands that our families and parents expect from public school. And to think about handing out a government program or taxpayer dollars where these institutions aren't even guaranteed to accept all children. You know, the schools get to mm -hmm. choose what kids are enrolled in their programs. They're not required to offer special ed services. And in fact, in the bill, Parents are required to be notified that they'd be waiving their child's rights under the Idaho or the federal special education law. Um, so really, the concept that we could be providing taxpayer dollars to institutions that don't serve all families and all kids is really a violation of the, altru the altruistic nature of how taxes work and how they go to benefit all kids, regardless of where you live. Mm -hmm. um, so that's huge for us. The other big piece is that a large majority of rural communities don't even have a private school. Um, the private schools are in all the urban areas and you know, 20, over half of our counties don't even have a single private school in their county. So this would really create more disparities amongst our rural um, and remote communities where the public school is the heart of the community there. So I'm also curious about charter schools because you do represent charter schools. Um, you know, they are a choice. You can choose to send your yes. child to a charter school. What is their stand overall then on this idea of school choice? And again, I think um, our charter school board members feel very similar. Um, they are a school of choice. They get to have, you know, a little bit different set of how, you know, their schools operate, but they are still expected to follow you know, state standards when it comes to making sure children are reading by a third grade and that students are performing well in math and having these, you know, required graduation requirements that, by the way, the legislature and the State Board of Education set together. So I believe that charter school board members, and I hear this routinely from many of them, they see it as an existential threat to them as well because they're already a school choice faction. They are publicly funded, but they still have to follow the accountability and transparency laws that are expected from our state legislature because they're taxpayer funded. So in your opinion, do you think this bill, as it's written right now, would have the potential to hurt public schools? Gemma, what we have learned by every single state that has adopted a program is they all initially begin as these little, you know, perhaps as a tax credit or it's a small ESA for for underserved populations, et cetera. And in every single state that they start like that, voucher lobbyists come in from out of state and repeal any sort of limitation that their proposals had. So yes, I do think any proposal, as soon as Idaho opens the door, will create an existential threat, again, not just to public schools, but to all investment that's needed from our state legislature and policymakers. Again, all we have to do is look at what these groups have done in other states to know that the risk in Idaho is real. So let's talk about that for a minute, because I think sometimes that the, the conversation revolves around all this will do is, is hurt public schools and, and kids who are in public schools. However, this, this money, this $50 million that is allotted for this right now is, is taxpayer money, right? It's tax credits, so right. it's going to come out of somewhere. So 
in your opinion, is there the potential that this would impact every single person who pays taxes in Idaho and, and, and the potential that maybe taxes would then have to go up if what you're saying is true, if we look at other states who have already implemented some type of system and that every single state that has implemented a system, it has doubled or tripled in cost. That money then would have to come from somewhere. Absolutely. It would have to come from somewhere and or districts would be forced to ask for additional investment via tax levy. So property taxes would go high. And you can see a state, Wisconsin is a great example that one, they saw huge growth in their education savings account program. Their rural schools lost investment from the state legislature and property taxes skyrocketed in those states that had passed that. But To your point, yes, it will undoubtedly create financial problems for the state of Idaho. And yes, it has to come from somewhere. I routinely hear from policymakers that they'll never defund the public education system. There's a constitutional obligation to that, which we appreciate as that type of rhetoric. But to your point, Gemma, the money has to come from somewhere. And nearly every single increase in investment that comes to our public schools comes from the general fund where all tax revenues go. And uh, when when the general fund is going to see a diminished support, like we have in Arizona, like you have in Ohio and in Indiana, that will have a negative impact on your local neighborhood public school. But it also has the likelihood to impact future investments in roads and bridges and our public lands and other really important things that I know Idahoans value in this great state. What do you hope, ultimately hope lawmakers really consider when, as this, as this bill continues to move forward? I think for me, it's really the fact that as soon as this door opens and when policymakers vote in favor of these proposals, they are signaling that they are comfortable with taxpayer dollars going out to institutions that have no accountability, no due process rights. They don't have to accept every kid. They don't even have to follow the standards that the legislature sets in content and curriculum and the various laws that public schools are are required to follow and that public schools accept every single kid in their boundaries in their public schools. So as soon as you kick that door open, you're sending the message that you're okay and comfortable with taxpayer dollars going to institutions without any kind of accountability or transparency. And that should concern the taxpayers of Idaho. I want to thank you so much for taking time to talk with us um, about your thoughts on this issue. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to Idaho Matters. Boise State Public Radio and Idaho Matters are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Gemma Gaudette. We'll see you tomorrow. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, we're taking center stage. Introducing NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of Black-led stories from NPR's podcasts. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts.